Hello and welcome to Now Here's a Thing, the latest laid-back podcast crafted by me, Tracy Jones, and me, Heather Noble. Just to, to warn, listener, we've got the window open. So oh yeah, of it's so hot. There's going to be motorbikes, there's going to be sirens, there's going to be beeping. and all those that, noises. we'll put the fan on and then we've got the whir of the fan. I don't know what's most annoying. No. Can you hear the birds though? That's yeah, nice. the birds tweeting. The start of the episode last week, it was just tweety birds. That's yeah, lovely. Channel the tweety birds and ignore the big farty motorbike that's just gone up the road. <laughs> okay. So uh, let me... Uh, Raise the Tweety Birds and give you Crocodile Virgin Birds. Oh, okay. Did you see that on the news? I vaguely saw something about it. So last week, um, there was the news that a crocodile was found to have made herself pregnant in um, the first known virgin birth for crocodiles, presumably. I know they've Are happened. they hermaphrodite? Hermaphrodite is when you're both sexes, isn't it? Yeah. Are they hermaphrodite? Uh, no. Oh. So, this this um, mother crocodile had been kept in isolation and she produced foetus that was 99.9% genetically identical to herself. So, do you know what virgin birth, the actual technical term is? Parthenogenesis. Right, so it's not, it's not about um, Mary and Joseph and... No. <laughs> no. So this is, uh, I did have to look up um, the exact definition. Parthenogenesis. Parthenogenesis, a reproductive strategy that involves development of a female, rarely male, gamete, that's a sex cell, without fertilisation. It occurs commonly among lower plants and invertebrate animals, particularly rotifers, I don't know what they are, aphids, ants, wasps and bees but rarely among higher vertebrates. And just for added extra fun, I looked up the me- the etymology of the word, because, you know, I like a little bit of word history. So it's from the Greek parthenos, which means virgin, and genesis, which means birth. Okay. So it's literally the Greek for virgin birth. So How about that? Did you not hear that story? I heard something about it, but I didn't... I don't know why I dismissed it, because... Sorry, are you saying that a crocodile made itself pregnant without a male? Yeah. Did it then give birth? Uh, It's okay. So she had... Seven eggs were viable, were incubated, and then none hatched after three months. They were opened, and one contained a stillborn crocodile fetus. So the discovery suggests, apparently, that virgin births could be happening in crocodiles without anyone realising. And there have been documented examples of parthenogenesis in birds, lizards, snakes and fish, but never before in crocodiles. But how do you have... So how do they know that she hadn't been in contact with a male? Because she'd been kept in isolation. Right, and why was she kept in isolation? Don't know. Find out whether she could impregnate herself. Maybe. It's a bit of a long game, isn't it? Right, so apparently it is not uncommon for captive reptiles to lay clutches of eggs, 
Given the period of isolation from mates, these would normally be considered non-viable and discarded. These findings therefore suggest that eggs should be assessed for potential viability when males are absent. Now, I've I read a little bit about um, this. I can't remember what the, the book was called a little while ago. It's about um, the female of the species. Mm-hmm. I'll need to look it up um, in a moment and I shall remind myself what the book is. When, when they, they talk about some species, when they're really struggling to survive as a species, they have been known to um, reproduce with virgin births. But there is... A, um, a Komodo dragon that is well known for virgin births. I had heard of that before. A particular one? Komodo like Mary dra- the sorry. Komodo dragon. Yeah, sorry, a Komodo dragon. The Komodo dragon. Oh, no, I just yeah. checked it. Sorry, get my yeah. word in right. It's been a long and hot day. So, apparently, the Komodo dragons, uh, it's happened to quite... Um, they've evolved to reproduce both sexually and parthenogenetically because they live isolated in the wild and so sometimes need to give birth to a male so that they can carry on with their survival as a species. Oh, wow, okay. That's quite a thing. Hmm. And is this something that is... I wonder... Well, we won't know, will we? Is this something that has evolved over time? Have they always been able to do this and have been doing it less? Or have they started to be able to do it in able for their species to potentially survive? Are well, that's, what, get they're saying about, about it? that's you, what they're saying about the crocodile is that this is the first time it's been documented in a crocodile. But they're thinking maybe it's happened before. We just haven't noticed. Yeah. Yes. So. Or assumed it was a male. That a male had been present. Yeah. Or we just haven't been watching the right crocodiles. Okay. It's also been observed in sharks. And apparently the zebra shark can alternate between sexual and asexual reproduction. So same as the Komodo dragon, really. Wow. So if there is a potential mate missing, then... They just do it themselves. Are they very old animals? You mean as in as a species? Yes. Rather than yeah, like the Komodo dragon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. But uh, yeah, I, aren't, aren't those sort of reptiles, aren't they older species than us? Aren't they related to dinosaurs? Yeah, because didn't, weren't we all, well, it depends who you are, didn't we all come out of the water and then turn into lizards and then turn into... <laughs> the evolution of man. I really don't know. I just, it just some are closer to lizards than others. Still, yeah. But imagine if this is part of evolution, and we get to a point where one day a male can get itself pregnant, and a woman can get itself pregnant. Maybe that's where, maybe that's where we're headed. Yeah, with you know non-gender specific and all of those types of things. Just do it yourself. Maybe it's the do-it-yourself thing, yeah. Yeah, I need to find that book that I read that was really good. Yeah. Bitch, it's called. Okay. A Revolutionary Guide to Sex, Evolution and the Female Animal by Lucy Cook. And maybe if I read that, I might find out a little bit more because 
fairly certain she talks about Komodo dragons and parthenogenesis and that, and I obviously haven't absorbed enough of it. Well, at least you remember that you'd read a book about it. Yes, that's true. And now I've read the news about it as well, but I should go back to the book. It was a very good book. I'll I'll say it again. Bitch. Bitch. Just because you like saying the word bitch. Yeah. A a little quote from my niece this weekend, who is five, she said that she didn't know whether the baby in her tummy would be a boy or a girl. Oh. Because she obviously doesn't know about how you make babies. Wow. She just thinks that when she gets older, she'll have a baby. Well, the interesting thing is, she already has the eggs. Exactly, she? yes. Yeah. But it was just a... I wonder if the baby in my tummy will be a boy or a girl. Oh, bless her. Lovely, isn't it? Now, here's the thing. I happened upon a, a question, and I thought, oh, I wonder what Tracy would say in answer to that question. Um, so... If you could have a dress made from the pages of any book, what book would you choose? I don't know why you would have a dress made out of the pages of a book, but if you could, what book would you choose? So if I chose to wear a book? Yeah. Can I think about that momentarily? Yeah, you can. You can. Because I've had the question in my head for a week. And you still and I still don't know what the answer Great, is. Great, okay. But Give where, me a week and we'll come back to it, yeah. But where I found that, um, and I can't remember where it was, I ended up down a rabbit hole um, about the Poet Laureate. And um, so, you know, who is the Poet Laureate? What's what's their role? So hang on. Where, where did the dress made out of a book come from? Uh, it was... It, I, I saw it somewhere and I wrote the question down and then I think I must have been on some sort of random literary article or podcast or blog or something. I can't quite remember. Are you Googling it to see what comes up? No, I'm looking up the longest book because I'm fat. So I need a big book. Oh! Yeah, so what's the world's biggest book? Because I, I, d- I don't want to wear a mini dress. Okay. Very long books. A la recherche du temps perdu. In search of lost time. It boasts nearly 1.3 million words. Okay. Marcel Proust. That one. I love Proust. It sounds, it sounds a bit fancy as well. Can I have a dress made out of Proust? A la recherche du temps perdu. Sounds fancy as well. Yeah, I'll have that one. You'll have that one, okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I have yet to decide. I mean, there will be, you know, will they be lots of small pages or will there be lots of big pages? In fact, I think I kind of, I think I kind of know how I ended up at the Poet Laureate. It's something to do with Samuel Pepys, which will become apparent <laughs> in a minute. Anyway, right, so, so we're at the Poet Laureate. We're at the Poet Laureate, right. Um, so, and I was like, well, how long... Who, you know, Betjeman was a poet laureate. What's it all about? So basically, um, it's an honorary position appointed by the monarch of the United Kingdom, um, currently on the advice of the Prime Minister. Watch this space. Um, it dates back to 1616, wow. where a pension was provided to Ben Johnson. Uh, but the first official holder of the position was John Dryden, appointed in 1668 by Charles II. Tennyson, Alfred Lord Tennyson, 
um, was Poet Laureate, but when he died, there was a break of four years as a mark of respect to oh, his... nobody could follow him. Yes, absolutely. So, um, so do you know who the current Poet Laureate is? Simon Armitage. It is Simon Armitage. Can you think of any in, re- in our recent time? Well, Betjeman is the first one I remember because he was when I was a kid, is that right, Betjeman? Yes. So yeah. what, what years were they? So Betjeman was, um, uh, sorry, 1972 to 1984. Now I'm going to recognise the names when you tell me. Of course you are, yeah. of course you are. So the following one, um, there was a few months um, uh, delay, it was Ted Hughes. Ted Hughes, yes. Married to Sylvia Plath. Sylvia Plath, yeah. Um, then Andrew Motion from 1999 oh, yeah. to 2009. He wrote a fantastic poem about, not Patch Adams, what was his name? Harry Patch. Oh, yeah. Do you remember Harry yes. Patch, the last surviving Tommy? Yeah. And the programmes that he made? Well, he wrote a poem about his story, which was from um, Passchendaele. Passchendaele, Passchendaele. Uh, and I remember seeing him, he wrote the poem for Harry Patch, about Harry Patch. Harry Patch was there and Andrew Motion read the poem. Wow. And it moved Harry Patch massively. Um, female Poet Laureate. First female Poet Laureate. Caroline Duffy. Oh, of course, yes. From 2009 to 2019. Told you I'd recognise all the names. Of course, of course. Um, and then Simon Armitage, who... Um, took over on the 10th of May 2019, appointed by the Queen, obviously, um, up until the present day. What's their expiry date? Well, it appears that you can resign. So a lot of them seem to have a 10-year tenure, if that makes sense. (laughs) A 10-year tenure. A 10-year tenure. Um, But originally, it was was for life. Okay. Um, So, so yeah, uh, and again... Like the Pope. Yes, essentially, yeah. But um, you don't... um, You get about £6,000 a year honorarium for taking on the role and a barrel of sherry. sherry. Every year? Um, Yes, the salary is, yeah, £5,750 and a barrel of sherry. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) So then... I'm not sure I could drink a barrel of sherry in a year. I'd give it a go. I'd give give it a bloody good go. Yeah, Um, However... Can you write poetry? That's... I fall at the first hurdle. Okay. I've written a couple of bits. I'm not sure that it's in the... It's quite it's in the league. league yeah. So then I started thinking about, yeah, but what's the point? You know, why do they have... We've just had the coronation, haven't we? And I was thinking, well, surely the king's poet... Like a coronation poem? Well, he did write a poem for the coronation. Okay. And, which I found, and it is long... Um, and it's how oh, are you going to regale us with it? No, I won't. I okay. won't subject you to it. It is called uh, an unexpected guest, and it um, basically it talks about somebody who's wasn't expecting to go to the coronation because there were quite a few sort of lay people who were invited, um, and he talks about how this individual is buying new clothes and has not has only been to London a couple of times. And her journey, so she goes to the funeral and she's there um, with heads of state and ambulance drivers and all sorts of people um, and the music and the choir and the church 
and then basically and then the king is crowned and then she heads home and she watches it all again on the 10 o'clock news from her armchair throne um, and wonders whether she'd been picked up in, in the footage anywhere and was looking for herself. Um, and it's a beautiful poem because it kind of... Because I was thinking, Catches well... Catches it all, I Yeah, it's just it, th- this... Because I don't think in previous years, in previous coronations, there have been people who were actually invited for not being anybody. Yeah. You know, anybody special, not a head of state, etc., etc. And I just thought it was really lovely. And, and in my head, I was thinking, why was there not some major poem that was read, you know, as part of the coronation and all of that sort of thing? So I thought, well, maybe there wasn't one. But it turns out there was one. But it was... More of a sort of it's under the radar, but yeah, it? more of a sort of social commentary yeah, rather than a, point, a formal commentary. commentary. So I thought it was rather lovely. Hmm. So what else have they been used for these poet laureates? Now you're asking. Oh, sorry. Now you're asking. Why do we know John Betterman so well? Because he was quite uh, a character of a time, and perhaps in our because it in the was nineteen seventy two. Yeah. So he was the poet laureate during quite an influential phase of our lives. Yeah. And we had the Jubilee and And we had the Jubilee. Um and I don't know if I've ever told you that he um I, I told you about his grave. No. So John Betjeman's grave is one of the most beautiful gravestones I've ever seen and I quite like a cemetery. Okay. I quite like gravestones. Where is it? Uh, it's in a church, in the grounds of a church called St. Enodox Church, which is um, at Rock, which is the other side of the Camel Estuary from Padstow. And the church itself was actually buried in sand for a number of years. It's in the midst of a sand dune. And apparently, allegedly, um, every once a year, a vicar would go, climb in through part of a window that was still exposed, go in and hold a service so that the church remained consecrated or whatever it, it would, is the right word. Sounds a bit scary, that does. Well, so I think that's why it captured my imagination about the church. Yeah. So I've been there a couple of times and it is a beautiful church. You do have to walk through a golf course and hope you don't get hit. But but Jeopardy. when Jeopardy. 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 Have you ever been hit by a golf ball? It bloody hurts. No. I got hit on the foot by one when I was walking across the golf course to get to a pub um, up at Morven Evan. Anyway, that's another story. Um, so you get to the church and there's, the, you know, that it's beautiful and the, 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 the graves are sort of all around it. So the church is in a little bit of a bowl, but it's quite small. Um, and then you go through the gateway and just there on the right of the gateway is this huge, beautiful stone. It's shaped like an arch. And it's got this fantastic scroll writing on it, really, really intricate and, and swirly and swooshy, and it just says John Betjeman. Wow. Didn't need to say anything else. No dates, no poet laureate, no nothing. And I think, you know, that's that in itself is, don't need to say anything else. If you don't know who I am, that's fine. Look um, me up. Yeah. But he, um, yeah, I think it's because... He was of our time and he also did a lot of stuff around um, the trains and beaching and and a lot of his poems were um, the timbre, you know, the pace. On a matter of it, it, No, it's more, um, 
It sounds like a train. Clickety click. Yeah, it's it it's got that pace to it. Um yeah. So there we go. So no Pam Ayres. <laughs> oh, I don't mind. She a bit. was famous. In I don't it. mind a bit of Pam Ayres. Uh, yeah, I don't mind a bit of Pam Ayres. And what about John Cooper Clark? He wasn't a poet laureate, was he? No. But he's poet. <laughs> um, I like. I love his voice. Uh, I don't really like looking at him. But he, he looks <laughs> offensive much. Well, no, I mean, he, I just find him a little bit. Um, I don't know. I just find him. No offence, John. He's not. He, I'm sure he's a lovely guy. I'm sure his mum loves him. Um, what about Benjamin Zephaniah? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah yeah. I love. I love. I love the way he looks, and I love the way he sounds. <laughs> Did you watch any of... You know, the Eurovision was in Liverpool instead yeah. of in Ukraine. Yeah. Um, and they did a, a concert-y thing a couple of nights before or something, an open-air sort of concert. Yes. I think it was the day after the coronation. And Rick, I didn't watch it. Oh, uh, Ricky Tomlinson, the actor, yes. read a poem yes. that had been written by Frank Cottrell Boyce. Yes, which was all of the bands It had Liverpool. a lot... Yeah, yeah. It's very clever. It was very, very clever. And... I thought um, that that would have been written by the Poet Laureate, but it wasn't. It was written by Frank Cottrell Boyce. Who also has not been the Poet Laureate. No. No. I've got a feeling that um, Simon Armitage is the youngest Poet Laureate. Well, certainly in modern times. So, Benjamin Zephaniah, he's one of the few um, autobiographies that I've read. Okay. I'm, I'm not great with autobiographies. Um, but I read his um, because it was in a book club. And I wouldn't have picked it up otherwise because, like I say, I don't, I don't really like uh, autobiographies. But it was fascinating because I had no clue about the world he came from. Okay. I felt very ignorant yeah. for not knowing that. And so reading it, I felt like I needed to have read it. Yes, okay. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, sometimes you feel embarrassed that you you don't... I had no have to be exposed the world to that. Come yeah, from. yeah, yeah. Um, and and hence, I mean, and I think this is perhaps where empathy is lacking in the world. If you if you got no understanding of that world, how can you have empathy? Or how can you how can you judge it or make judgments on somebody when you don't know where they've come from? Yeah, and you know, in the sort of path that they've trodden. Um, yeah, what did he do? Uh, oh, he was... Was he on a programme? Uh, he probably was on a programme, obviously. can't remember. There was some... Was it a song or was it a film? There was something where he was reading a poem and it was absolute... Because, again, his voice... I think if somebody else tried to read Benjamin, Benjamin Zephaniah's poetry out loud... It would be lacking a bit like the Betjeman yeah, voice. Yeah, because he writes to it's, perform it, doesn't yes, he? So he's a yes, performer. performance poet. A, a, a dub poet, actually. Dub. According to this uh, entry here, he's a British writer and dub poet. It's spoken word over reggae rhythms. Ah. I'll so, have to look that up because I didn't so, really have a clue. So well, there go. we go. We, we've been through... Uh, a range of items again. Pregnant 
Crocodiles. Alligators. Crocodile. Crocodile. Yeah. I realised I didn't say now here's the thing right at the beginning, so I'm going to say now. Now, here's the thing. Now Here's the Thing is a Jones and Noble production brought to you every week. Well, maybe not every week ever. <laughs> Recorded with an iPhone, a microphone and lots of hot air. Mm-hmm.